0: just like to welcome everyone who's joining us right now by our live stream this is just one part of our service here at chelsea community church with city temple if you'd like to be part of the whole service via zoom drop us an email and uh, and if you'd like to uh, join us in person just come on down to the chelsea community church here in chelsea on sunday mornings at 11 o'clock and if you're looking at this uh the the small screen will disappear shortly and you'll see the full screen Uh, In just a moment. If you have your Bible with you, uh, let's turn to two places. First of all, to Ephesians chapter 3, and then to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and 2 Timothy chapter 3. And before we read together, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the Bible. I thank you that it is your word, and it is trustworthy and true. And I pray, Father, in this time that you'd open up your word to us. Help us to understand it and live it out to your glory and praise. And let your Holy Spirit rest on me as I bring your word to your people today. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 3, we pick up with verse 7 down to verse 13. Paul is writing here and he says, Of this gospel, the gospel of Jesus... might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. And then to Second Timothy the third chapter. Again, Paul is writing, this time, to uh, his spiritual son Timothy. He says, starting with verse 10, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God and the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word well in the united states every autumn when uh, the kids go back to school they're often asked to write an essay for the teacher what i did on my summer vacation or as we say here my summer holiday so i thought you know maybe that would be really clever of me if i wrote a, a bit of an essay what i did on my summer holiday and uh, and marcos uh, god love him he picked us up from the airport on Friday night. It was such a wonderful thing. Yay, Marcos, yay, Marcos. Uh, Such a great gift when that happens. And so he picked us up, and so I thought, you know, maybe I'll try this on Marcos a little bit. I'll start telling him a bit of what we, what we did on the summer holiday, you know? And so I'm telling about some of the things we did. And I noticed after a moment or two that he started to drift off and the, the car would kind of swerve a little bit. And, and so I thought, well, maybe I, that's not the best. Now, he didn't really do that. I'm, I'm just playing up a bit. Uh, although I did tell him a little bit and he did seem, you know, try slightly bored. But uh, <laughs> uh, so I thought, well, maybe that's not the right way to go. Uh, and so, uh, so I thought, well, maybe I can talk a little bit of some things that I learned on my summer holiday, uh, the time that we were away, some observations I made. Uh, and uh, as I was away, I learned that some things are easy and some things are hard. Some things are easy and some things are hard. That's, that's very profound, right? Very profound. Uh, But uh, there's some things that are easy and some things are hard. Uh, The first thing I learned is that falling into deception is easy. Standing in truth is hard. Falling into deception is easy, but standing in truth is hard. And the reason why we fall into deception so easily is that almost all deception has a little bit of truth to it. You know, there's very little deception that is an out-and-out lie. Now, and if it's an out-and-out lie, we recognize it. For example, tomorrow, if you open your computer and you look under your junk email, your spam folder, and you see a letter from Mrs. Tubinga of Tongo, uh, who has, uh, needs to transfer some money out of Tongo and wants to give you 10 million pounds into your bank account, you know that's a lie. It's a deception. That's why it's in your junk folder, and that's why you just simply delete it. And if you didn't know that, you do know it now. But there are increasing levels of deception in our world today. It's, it's been going on for a number of years, but since the pandemic, I think, we have in seen it increasing rather rapidly. And the problem is that to, in order to get behind deception, in order to understand it, to see it, and to keep from falling into it, it requires a whole lot of humility. Because you have to be willing to reconsider everything. And that's literally everything. You might say, well, does that even mean things like the gospel, the resurrection, the the death of Christ? Yes, it even means that. I regularly, in my life, over the time that I've been a Christian, which has been a lot of years now, uh, and I won't tell you, because I'll I'll mess up the maths. I was always terrible with maths. Uh, I regularly ask myself, did Jesus really rise from the dead? What is the evidence? And I look at the evidence, and I re-examine the arguments against it. And I have not found a single persuasive argument against the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And I have repeatedly found arguments affirming the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's why I continue to walk with the Lord, and my faith stays strong. We can't be uh, proud about any of the knowledge that we have. Because we're living in a world, as Paul said to Timothy, he said, you know, there are deceivers out there who are deceiving and being deceived. And that is so much worse in our world today. And you cannot even rely on people that are coming out of established ministries and established churches. I regularly say to people, you need to question everything that I say. Challenge it. Don't just swallow it. Because I know that there's error in my teaching. Because the only error-free teacher that ever lived, his name was Jesus, or Jesus, or say, However you want to say his name, that's the guy. And he was the one who had no error. Everybody else has error. Even Paul, even Peter had error. You see it in the scriptures. So it is a challenge. Falling into deception is quite easy. That's why Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, you know the scriptures, so study them, read them, get to know them quite well, internalize them, because they are what are going to keep you from falling into deception, from being deceived or becoming a deceiver who's deceiving and being deceived. It's absolutely essential. And it's essential even more today because deception has really penetrated the Church of Jesus Christ globally. And deception has penetrated the Church of Jesus Christ even in the West. One of the things that Karen and I like to do when we go on holiday in the States is we listen to Christian music radio because there's a gazillion channels. uh, And almost always we find two or three songs that just pop up that we say, oh, man, that's a song for City Temple. That's one that's one we got to use. This time, we found nothing. And the reason is that almost every song that I listened to that I thought, oh, this is very close, had some serious error in it. And that's increasing. And it's not the whole song. Most of the song is okay. It's just... A few of the lyrics that start to get into error and and it's very dangerous and so we have to be on our guard you got to be questioning the YouTube things that you're watching you got to be questioning everything that you're reading online and you need to be questioning everything that I tell you and that's one of the reasons why God has given us the church by the way so that we question things together and we help each other not fall into deception and not fall into sin. Because falling into deception is easy, but standing in the truth is hard. Another thing that I lost, uh, that I learned, uh, easy, hard ways, is getting lost in materialism is easy. Finding what really matters is hard. Getting lost in materialism is easy. Finding what really matters is hard. I, uh, the last day before we flew back, uh, we stopped into this, uh, this new shop that we'd seen uh, called the Overstock Store, I think it was called. And what they do is they buy uh, all producers. They make more of things than they know they'll sell. And so that what they do is pass those on to other shops so that they can sell them on. And so a shop will take a lot of clothes and and candies and a lot of variety of things to sell it on. You know, and I was standing in this shop, and I just started thinking, you know, is this really why people died defending our freedom, not only in the United States, but here in the United Kingdom? You know, so we could deal with catalog overstocks so, we could be swamped in stuff that we could spend our money on. And we've seen so many people with really, really big houses. You know, some in the States, some of those houses are huge. They're like castles here. And uh, uh, there's, there's, our friends have cupboards that are as big as our second uh, uh, guest bedroom where Amy stays. Uh, you know, it's that kind of thing. I, I saw one cupboard the cupboard that was in our room, uh, I thought, boy, I could put a chair in here and a desk and have a nice little space for a quiet time, as well as my whole wardrobe. You know, so it's these kinds of things. But what we see time after time is none of this stuff really matters. At the end of the day, it's all stuff. And a lot of this stuff that people spend a lot of money and buy, they end up just giving away or selling at uh, a, a car boot sale or something like that. Now we're on a quest, we need to find out what is really important, what really matters in this world and in our lives, and let me tell you, one of the things that really matters is our relationships. Your family really matters, your friends really matter. Another thing that really matters in this world is what God has for you to do, it matters more than just about anything. You know, God has has told me to be here. And I'm glad that God has put me here. And it's different than what I would have imagined for myself 30 years ago. And it's different than what others would have imagined for me 30 years ago. But it's interesting to me that recently, I've been going back through my journal of things that I've heard from the Lord and things I've expressed to the Lord. Uh, going back into the early 1990s, uh, almost a decade before I came here. And it's been interesting for me to see all the things that God put in my heart in the 1990s are being fulfilled here in London. And uh, there was no way I would have imagined in 1993 that I would be here speaking to you in Chelsea. There's no way, but we just followed the Lord. So what really matters are our relationships, and what really matters is doing what God tells you to do, no matter what it looks like. Because sometimes it doesn't look all that great when you're in the middle of it. So it's like Paul said to Timothy, hey, remember my persecutions and all this, this junk that happened to me, but it's okay because we're walking with the Lord, we're going with the Lord. So, getting lost in materialism is easy, but finding what really matters is hard. A third thing I lost—I learned, I keep saying I lost, uh, a third thing I learned in the States is that social connections are easy. Building enduring friendships is hard. Social connections are easy, but building enduring friendships is hard. Uh, let me tell you, all those Facebook friends that you have, or your TikTok followers, uh, or uh, the, the, the people on your Instagram, they ain't your friends. You can call them friends, but they're not friends. And the real problem with a lot of social media today, and I'm not anti-social media. You know, I'm not one of these old guys that says, No, it was better back in my day when we had the dial telephones. No, it's not. It wasn't. It's a lot better today. Uh, A lot better. I love this. But let me tell you, the problem with social media is that it gives you an illusion of intimacy and connection where none really exists. It gives you an illusion that people are with you when they're not. It gives you an illusion that people really care about you, but they don't. And I've seen it time after time after time, and I've seen a lot of young people, a lot of people in their teens and 20s, fall into that lie, that deception, that delusion of intimacy and connection through social media. You know, really what it takes is flesh and blood. It takes real connections with real people over time. It takes a shared history and a shared values. I look at our friends, Jeff and Kara, that we love very deeply. And in many respects, there's a lot of things that we don't have in common. The biggest thing that Jeff and I have in common is Jesus, yay. In fact, Jeff helped lead me to Christ when I was 12. So that's how long we've known each other. and. The St. Louis Cardinals. For those of you who didn't see them earlier, they're there. I mean, those are our two greatest connections, uh, uh, but we have a shared history together. And that shared history and the shared values we have really bonds us together. Same is true with my friend Bill Tucker uh, that many of you have met over Zoom. We hoped to connect with Bill while we were in the States and it didn't quite happen. And Bill and I had a, had a conversation and he said something to me that is so profound that I wanted to share it with you. He said, when, when we realized that we, we tried to connect with each other, and we missed each other a few times, and it's very frustrating, and you start to wonder, OK, is he going to hate me, you know? Like, you, you know that feeling, right? When you've tried to get with somebody, and you can't, and you start wondering, are, what are they going to say about it, uh, and all of that. And so Bill and I, were we, we didn't even talk about that. But once we finally connected via Zoom, and we have a big, big shared history in flesh and blood. Once we finally connected via Zoom, he looked at me over the Zoom line and he says, Rod, you are secure in my love for you. In other words, he's saying it didn't matter that we didn't connect. It didn't matter that we didn't see each other face to face, it didn't matter that we had missed each other time after time. It didn't matter that we were going through different frustrations around that. It didn't matter that we might have differences. And we wanted to say that to our friends Jeff and Kara, and we didn't get a chance, we will someday. You know, they are secure in our love for them. That's the kind of friendship that we all want, that we all desire, and let me tell you that we all can have if you're willing to pay the price for it because it doesn't come cheap. You are secure in my love for you. And I want to tell you, if you're part of this church right now, and even if you're not part of the church, I can't really love you if you're not part of the church yet because I don't quite know you yet. uh, And I need to get to know your, your weaknesses before I really love you. Did you realize that? You know, unless you irritate me a little bit, I can't really love you. So, and, you know, thankfully, most people at City Temple have irritated me enough that I can love them, you know. And I, and I want to say, if you're here at City Temple, you are secure in my love for you. You don't have to entertain me. You don't have to please me. You don't have to do things to make me love you more. You're secure in my love for you because we're building something together. We've got a shared history. We've got shared values. And that's the kind of thing that we need to look for. And if you look for it, you'll find it. But you'll only find it if you're willing to give yourself to it. And you can only give yourself to it in advance. It's not something that you get before you give. It's something you give before you get. Because social connections are easy. But building enduring friendships is hard. It's hard. Number four, tunnel vision is easy. Seeing the big picture is hard. We have a contagion of tunnel vision in our world right now. Leaders have tunnel vision. They're only seeing tunnel vision is where you you limit your perspective and you only see a little bit. You don't see the big picture. You put blinders on so you can't see a lot of things clearly. And most of the leaders in our world today, whether it be in the UK or the United States, wherever, have tunnel vision. I've been reading newspapers, and most of the articles that I'm reading, they have tunnel vision. There is a ton of tunnel vision in the world today. In fact, I think tunnel vision is probably dominant. And it's dominant because tunnel vision is comfortable and comforting in the short term. When you've got tunnel vision and you can just concentrate on your own little area, there's something very comfortable and comforting about that. You don't have to look at other things. But over the long term, tunnel vision creates many problems. You know, the reason why, and I might do a a separate teaching on this uh, later this summer, the reason why we have inflation, as bad as it is right now, is because we had leaders with tunnel vision back in 2008. And that's a long time ago. But they weren't looking. And they made decisions that have inevitably led to where we are today. We knew we were going to get here. We just didn't know how and how long it was gonna take. But we could see it all the way back in 2008. My investment advisor and I, we had conversations about this. He's a Christian. We had conversations about this. So we need to see, to learn how to see the big picture, or to choose to be with people who are seeing the big picture. Because not everybody is gifted that way, and that's okay but we either need to be able to see the big picture or choose to connect with people who are seeing the big picture. But here's the problem. If you're gonna see the big picture, the big picture can be painful and depressing in the short term. The big picture can be very, very difficult. But in the long term, it's what gives you hope and meaning for your life. This is exactly what Paul was doing with the Ephesians. So the Ephesians, he was writing this letter when he was in jail. Now think about this, you know, these are new Christians. And they're thinking, hey, if you're going to be a Christian, you should succeed. You should prosper. God's going to bless you. Things are going to get better in your life. And here's the guy uh, who helped plant their church, who's now rotting away in a jail. And they're saying, well, maybe this Christianity is not all it's cracked up to be. So they're looking at the short-term. They're looking at the short-term pain and the short-term persecution and the short-term difficulties. Like Paul said to Timothy, Hey, Timothy, I want to let you know anybody who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's going to happen. So short-term, seeing the big picture can be rather difficult. But over the long term, if you see the big picture, you begin to understand God's purposes. You know, short term, we see this church and we say, okay, we've got a a small group of people in the midst of uh, about 10 million people, seven and a half million of which at least need to know Jesus. You know, that's impossible, right? It's impossible. And yet, Paul says, to the Ephesians that God is going to reveal his manifold wisdom through the church. It's God's intention to show all the principalities and powers and and all the forces of the cosmos as well as all of humanity his infinite wisdom and demonstrate it through the church. That's us. That's big picture. That's big picture. Right now we see the war in Ukraine. We don't yet see the big picture. But I think God has a big picture in mind, and I think God has a big picture in mind that's going to bring righteousness to the nation of Ukraine, uh, an awakening to the nation of Ukraine, and is going to link Ukraine, Poland, and the United Kingdom to do great things in Europe. We're going to see that. That's more big picture stuff. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I think God has a plan and a purpose, and I've just said it publicly, and it's now recorded, so I've taken a stand on this. Tunnel vision is easy, but seeing the big picture is hard. Number five, I'll press on. Taking stands is easy. Walking in faithfulness is hard. Taking stands is easy, walking in faithfulness is hard. We've got a world right now where people love to take stands. You know, quite frankly, the the group that's been climate protesting and shutting down the Capitol for the last few years, many of the people that are involved there, they love to take stands. I think that came out when when it was discovered that one guy who was leading the protest for everybody to insulate their homes had not insulated his own home. It becomes clear when one of the women who helped found the the movement to fight against climate change, drives a diesel vehicle. You can take a stand, you can sit in a protest, but let me tell you, it's not what you do in a protest line that changes the world, it's how you live your life every single day. That's what changes the world. A lot of people will find that. You know, it was easy to take a stand for abortion. Taking a stand in favor of abortion is a lot easier than taking a stand in favor of life. Because with abortion, you just got to get the woman to the clinic, and you don't worry about so much the aftermath of all of that. But if you're genuinely pro-life, and you take a stand for that, it means that you have to do like Karen and I have done. You, need, you have to say, we're going to host that teenage uh, pregnant woman in our home, and care for her and provide for her needs so she can carry that baby to term and then place that baby with a loving family for adoption. It means caring for women so that they have another alternative other than abortion. Now, we can say that we want to protect the environment and we want to stop pollution and we want to be green and, and green is one of our themes, but if you're not recycling, what is that worth? It's not worth a whole lot. It's quite a not one thing to take a stand, but to walk in faithfulness to change the world is hard. And yet, walking in faithfulness to change the world is exactly what God has us to do. And we have to walk in faithfulness, not for a momentary protest on Oxford Street, We have to walk in faithfulness over the course of a lifetime, over the course of a decade or two decades or three decades. That's what God calls us to. Taking stands is easy, walking in faithfulness is hard. The last one, doing church is easy. Being church is hard. Doing church is easy. Being church is hard. Frankly, uh, and I don't mean to be down on Americans, I love my country of birth, I love the United Kingdom. If people ask me, okay, Rod, when are you gonna go home next? I'll say, well, about uh, three o'clock this afternoon I'll be going home, because this is my home. You are the people that I'm at home with. Uh, You are uh, part of my family, Uh, it's very important. But uh, So I'm not down on Americans, but you know what? Most Americans that I've encountered, they're really good at doing church. But many don't know how to be the church. I mean, they're really good at getting up and going on Sundays and handing out leaflets and saying hi when somebody walks in the door. I mean, one of the church, uh, the church where our friends go where we went while we were there, boy, they're so friendly. And so welcome, and everybody says hi to everybody. It, it's almost, you know, when you're used to the UK, it's almost off putting, you know. <laughs> you're just like, stay out of my space. <laughs> okay, what are you guys drinking? You, were you smoking something before you came today? You're way too happy, you know. It's just that kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, and they do that kind of stuff well. Uh, they do kids' programs, they create experiences. Uh, You know, they got lights and sound and smoke and all of that. But, you know, all of that stuff is no more than doing church and maybe doing church light. Being church is where you walk together Sunday after Sunday and you listen to another boring sermon. You sing another song yet again. You see the same old faces, and yet you keep coming and you keep loving and you keep supporting, and you keep caring, and you keep helping to maintain so that people have a place to come to see the Lord and to see one another. And you do that with the hope, with the knowledge that God is revealing his wisdom through us as the church to all of creation. And you do that with the hope and with the knowledge that some people might come to faith in Jesus Christ, and you do that with the hope and with the knowledge that if we be the church where God has called us to be, that God will use us where we are and accomplish amazing things in and through us that we never would have dreamed possible, but are only is only possible when we be the church together. We need to know the difference. We need to say, God, show me what it means not just to do church, but to be church. And the only way to be church is with other people. You can't be church alone watching YouTube. You can't be church alone watching the TV. You can be church on Zoom to an extent but you, because you can interact, but you can't be church without being together. And that's what God has called us to do. And I am so thankful to God to be here and to be part of your lives and to be part of what God is doing. And God is not finished with us. Uh, This phase of our lives together is just starting. And I think God is going to do some amazing things in the weeks and months ahead that we probably couldn't even possibly dream of here in this moment. But God is working in us. God is not finished with us. And we have to remember that all of this is for the glory of Jesus. You know, we don't be the church for our own sakes. We don't walk in faithfulness just because it feels good, because it most of the time won't. We don't build enduring friendships because they make us fulfilled. Many times enduring friendships drain us quite a bit could take a lot out of us. Uh, we don't find what really matters because it just adds some degree of importance to our lives. We don't stand in truth because truth in and of itself is a good thing to stand in. All of this is for Jesus. All of this is so that the world will know that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords who died on the cross for our sins, and rose bodily from the grave on that third day, and ascended into heaven so that this whole world might be remade according to the will of God, and so all of sin and all the powers of hell might be swept away, and so that human beings who follow Jesus, who surrender their lives fully and freely to Jesus Christ, that these human beings might spend an eternity in the fulfillment of how and why God has made them all to the glory and honor of Jesus. And that's why we're here. And that's why we go forward from this place for Jesus. So I hope some of the things that I learned on my summer holiday are a blessing to you. And I encourage you, I know I've mentioned a lot of things, take one. Just take one of the things that I've mentioned to start and say, Lord, that's where I want to start. I want to start standing in truth. I want to start finding what really matters. I want to start building those enduring friendships. I want to start seeing the bigger picture. I want to start walking in faithfulness. I want to start being church. Just pick one of them and say, Lord, show me the next step. And God will do it. And then when you start walking in that one, you can add others to it. But do it and start today to the glory of Jesus. Father God, thank you so much. You love us and you have called us. And you are an amazing God. Lord, I pray that you'd speak into each person's mind. One of these things that we've talked about today, that they might begin... To implement in their lives or continue to implement in their lives. Show them their one thing and show them the next thing that they need to do to move in that direction for your glory and praise and thank you that we do this by your grace. It's not by our power or our effort, by its, but it's by your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit, and the love that you've lavished on us in Jesus Christ. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and join in our closing song of worship.